Sometimes we underestimate how much children take in about church life. Tony Campolo shares a story of when he was a young lad. He writes, One Sunday I was sitting with my parents during communion. I was very young, perhaps six or seven. Anyway, I became aware of a young woman in the pew in front of us quietly sobbing and shaking. The minister had just finished reading the passage of scripture written by Paul that says, Whosoever shall eat the bread and drink the cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. As a communion plate with its small pieces of bread was being passed around, it came to the crying woman and she waved it away and then lowered her head. From where I was sitting, I could see it all. It was then my immigrant father leaned over her shoulder and in his broken English said sternly, Take it. It was meant for you. Do you hear me? And she raised her head and nodded. And then she took the bread and ate it. And I knew at that moment some kind of heavy burden was lifted from her heart and from her head. Something very special happened. Since then, I have always known that a church that could offer communion to hurting people was a very special gift from God. What a profound lesson to learn so young. Now, of course, children do not take in and process as much as they do when they're older, but sometimes, maybe often, we adults underestimate the work of the Holy Spirit in our young ones. Now, it's about a year since children were encouraged to take communion as part of our kids' friendly accreditation. And Mandy prepared booklets and worked through with the kids' church on Sunday mornings, and resources went home to parents. Now, if and when, if and when a child takes communion is up to the parents. Now, some parents may be happy to start their children young, or when each child reaches an age-appropriate understanding, other parents may prefer to wait until their children are at high school or being confirmed or baptised. So the choice is with the family, and there's an encouragement to, to pray about it and talk with your children, and Mandy has resources if you're sort of a newer parent here and you want to think and, and pray about that. And so this is why we have a background, so that as we celebrate communion and as the children will join us, uh, we're going to focus on what the Bible tells us about communion. Mark's Gospel will be our guide, and we're going to explore three key invitations to the Lord's table. And we'll have the children on the back of our minds as we do. So let's dive in to the first invitation. As we approach the Lord's table, we are invited into the ancient story of rescue from slavery. We see this in Mark chapter 14, verse 12. On the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, where do you want us to go and make preparations for you to eat the Passover? Jesus gave some instructions, and then in verse 16, the disciples left, went into the city, and found things just as Jesus had told them, so they prepared the Passover. So to put this passage in context, it's the night before Christ's crucifixion. Jesus and the disciples have joined hundreds, if not thousands, of pilgrims to Jerusalem for that week, so that they could celebrate Passover. 
You see, for 1,500 years, God's people had relived their release from slavery at each Passover meal. And they still do today. Three and a half thousand years unbroken tradition of celebrating Passover. For this meal retells in word and in symbol the rescue from Egypt at the hand of God. Plague upon plague fell upon the Egyptians until there was a hurried escape in the night. And so Passover, it's called the Seder meal now, but the Passover was a strange, re- strange recipes and flavours mixed in to remind them how bitter their slavery was. There was salty water to remind them of the tears of slavery. In the Passover meal, there's bitter herbs like horseradish to remind them of the bitterness of bondage. There's a fruit paste with cinnamon sticks to remind people of the bricks of clay and straw. Then there's the meal of the lamb, remembering how each household killed a lamb and sprinkled the blood on their doorposts. Can you remember why they did that? So that when the angel of death came to their house and saw the blood, the angel of death would pass over that house and the eldest in that household would be safe. And that's where we get the word Passover. The blood was placed on the lintel, the blood of the lamb, and there was no death in that family. And there was the flat bread made without yeast to remind people that their escape was so urgent there was no time for the bread to rise. And during the meal there were also four cups of wine, very special cups. And each of those four cups was based on four promises that God made to Israel. And we see those promises in Exodus 6, 6 and 7. So each of these promises was repeated when they took a cup of wine through the meal. The first promise was, I will bring you out. The next one is, I will free you from being slaves. The third cup was, I will redeem you. And the final cup was, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. And so there we have a very brief summary of the Passover meal. And children were an important part of this Passover. Not only were they full participants taking a sip of wine and learning about their spiritual roots around the family table, but they were key participants. For the youngest child during the Passover at a certain time, the youngest child was asked to go to the front door and open it and to see if Elijah was there. For the Bible teaches that Elijah must return before the Messiah. And so this child going to the front door looking for Elijah was symbolic for the desire, heartfelt desire that the Messiah would come. You see how important the children were in the Passover meal. And so on the evening before his death, Jesus, he reorientates this meal of rescue from slavery towards a second rescue mission a true and better rescue mission. Jesus modifies the Passover elements so they now point to a grander rescue from slavery, not from Egypt, but rescue from sin and death. Jesus aligns Passover to point to his death and his resurrection while still keeping the ancient roots of redemption from slavery. And so, just as Israelite children participated and were taught their redemptive history around the dinner table, 
So our children have the opportunity to participate and are taught about our redemptive history around the communion table. So that's the first invitation. We're invited into the ancient story of rescue from slavery. But at the Lord's table, we are also invited to expose our heart. In the Last Supper, we see this exposing of the heart not once but twice. First, we see it in Mark 14, verse 18. While they were reclining at the table eating, he said, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. Well, it's a bit of a showstopper, isn't it? Can you imagine the meal going well, 12, 13, with Jesus talking and enjoying each other's company? And then Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. We can imagine the, the 12 falling silent and looking at each other with concern. And after an awkward pause, they all started to deny it. Not me, must be the other fella. You know, I'm not going to betray you. And John's Gospel adds a key detail. After the denials, Jesus dips his bread and then offers it to Judas. In John 13:30, we see, as soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. Judas's heart was exposed around the Lord's table. And not just Judas, the others were also exposed at the communion table. Verse 27, You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Now there's time for more denials. Verse 29, Peter declared, Even if all fall away, I will not fall away. A little bit of an underhanded insult to his other disciples, isn't it? Even if these other bozos fall away, I won't. And then a little later on, verse 31, but Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Around the communion table, their hearts were exposed. Because we know the story, don't we? They all claimed they would never deny Jesus and within a few hours before the cock crowed three times, all of them and even Peter had. You see, accepting an invitation to the table, to the Lord's table, is dangerous. Taking the bread and the cup exposes our heart, just like the woman sitting in front of seven-year-old Tony Campolo. And this is a good thing, because none of us are worthy to take communion. No, sometimes we think we are. Sometimes we think God's lucky to have us around the communion table. We would never voice this, but sometimes we do. Shame on us when pride tries to elbow its way into this most holy of tables. We will have none of this. <laughs> For as we go closer to God, our unworthiness looms larger. When we come to Christ at first, we, we know we need to repent. And we do. And God moulds us and shapes us so we do get better. But what happens is that sin that we shake, try and shake away that we just can't, it bites, doesn't it? You know, as we get closer and closer to the Lord, we become more acutely aware of how far we fall short. And so even for the, the most worthy of saints, 
when the bread is being passed from one person to another, often they cry in their heart, Lord, I am not worthy to take this bread. And we're right. Because we need to remind ourselves that we come to the table not because we are worthy, but because Jesus invites us. And as our hearts are exposed, this serves to make God's love for us sweeter and sweeter. And the forgiveness goes deeper and deeper as our hearts are are exposed before the bread and the cup. Because it is as we take the bread that we open ourselves up and it is as we take the cup that we are restored and forgiven. And children like adults, they are not perfect. Part of growing up is an increasing awareness, self-awareness. And this has many positives and it's good and natural. But with self-awareness comes an understanding of how badly we can let ourselves down. And for young children that can come as a bit of a shock sometimes. Or how they can allow, let themselves so badly down or God. And the innocence of childhood meets the reality of our fallen nature. I mean, it's all part of growing up, isn't it? So children also need the assurance of forgiveness that communion offers. And as we move through this event of the Last Supper, we come to our third and final invitation. For at communion, not only are we invited into the ancient story of rescue and we're invited to expose our hearts, but we're also invited to feed our deepest hunger. Verse 22, still in Mark 14. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to his disciples saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks and offered it to them and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many, he said to them. We are invited to feed our deepest hunger when we take the bread and the cup. And this invitation is echoed in Isaiah 55, wonderful passage, Isaiah 55 from verse 1. God is saying to us, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters, and you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fear. Isn't that wonderful? Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fears. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. And here God is reminding us that the best of wine and the best of bread that the world can offer will not satisfy only what is offered by him you see this simple meal around this communion table is an invitation to have our deepest hunger satisfied in Christ and as we eat his body and drink his cup we are satisfied with his presence and favour Matthew 4 4 Jesus said man does not live on bread alone but on every word that comes from the mouth of God And Jesus is speaking into that deeper hunger. He's putting into words what we often felt, that desire for something more, where the world, even at its best, leaves us unsatisfied because we are searching for something deeper 
and more real. And this morning, Christ offers this at his table. Psalm 34, 8. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. Come and your deepest hunger will be satisfied. And of course, this bread and this cup, they point to the heavenly banquet. Now, this is a common theme that runs through Jesus' parables and teaching, this time when faithful servants will be gathered up into the heavenly banquet and will enjoy a feast upon feasts with the Lord of the household. And so, as we come to the Lord's table, we have the slightest glimpse, foretaste of that heavenly banquet where we will be with Christ and he will be revealed in all his beauty and his glory around that table. And so we come to the simple meal and we come to it again and again because it is a meal that feeds our deepest hungers, strengthens us for life's journey, sweetens our walk with God and establishes our hope for eternity. Now as loving parents, we satisfy our children's hunger. We put food on the table. We satisfy their emotional hunger at times too as good parents provide a loving environment for our wee ones to grow and mature and develop their personalities. And we guide them spiritually as best we can. But there will come a time when our children will stand on their own feet but still bow their knee in the presence of Jesus. And only he can satisfy their deepest hunger. Communion prepares our children for this time. So as we finish this overview of communion, what have we seen? Well, we've seen an open invitation, one that is threefold. We're invited into the ancient story of rescue from slavery with roots reaching back to a slave people rescued from Egypt. Jesus has transformed Passover into a celebration of his rescuing us from sin and death. We've also seen that it's dangerous to come to the Lord's table because he exposes our hearts. As we humbly approach, God's spirit moves us to lay bare of our pretending. We are invited to come out of hiding to receive the healing and restoration of the body and the blood. And it's a very important time as the elements get passed around and, and we hold the bread for that time. And it's a time for us to be real with God in our own hearts, to let him know where we've let him down, to ask forgiveness, to recommit our lives. Sometimes you'll be overwhelmed with gratitude about what he's done and doing in your life. And it's the same when the cup comes round, those little wee plastic cups. There's a time where we sit with them and we open our hearts to the living God. And as we do, the healing and the transformation and the restoration we all long for takes root. Which is why we have our third invitation. Our third invitation is to have our deepest hunger fed. Our spirits long for more than the best that this world has to offer and we only find it in Christ, he who gave up all for us that we might be the delight of our Father's heart. Jesus gave up all that we might be forgiven, healed and restored at the foot of the cross as we now gather at his table, the table of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.